<laughs> you know, I feel pretty great. It's me, Cindy. And there's something kind of magical about that. Say it with me. I feel great. No, try it again. Like you really mean it. Because here's what I discovered. When I say it out loud with all the enthusiasm I'd have if I really did feel great, I get this burst of, well, feeling pretty great. I guess it's tricking your brain or signaling your brain something like smiling. If you're ever not having a good day, you're feeling cranky, impatient, annoyed, try smiling. Not just this little mouth smile either. I mean, a full face, cheek lifting, crinkly eye, full blown smile like this. If you give it five or 10 seconds, you might notice you're starting to feel that same basket of emotions that you feel any other time you're actually legitimately smiling. Apparently, it's tapping into some muscle memory or something. I don't know the science behind it. I only know it works. And so does, I feel great. That come in handy sometimes because griping and whining are such an easy, dark hole to fall into. Sometimes life is a challenge. Sometimes it's a misery. But most of the time, it's much better than you give it credit for. It's just that complaining starts to be the go-to, the standard, the habit. It's kind of like a movie or theater or TV critic. In theory, they're supposed to provide a review, but in actuality, they're taking the critic part, like literally, and tending towards finding criticism. We can be like that. How you doing can frequently trigger a litany of complaints about work, home, kid, parents, the weather. Hey, how are you? Oh, man, I'm cold. Oh, my God, I'm so hot. So a couple of years ago, I decided to break the habit of being negative, not starting the cycle, not participating with others, trying not to see things in a negative light. Instead, I wanted to focus on the positive. Sounds simple enough, right? You have no idea what a challenge that was. Complaining is an easy habit, but then it's absolutely filtering how you're looking at the world and your place in it. And before you know it, everything's miserable. The first thing I did was to tell everybody around me of my intention. I hoped maybe they'd want to join me. Or if not, at least they'd understand why I was no longer participating or why I would change the subject as soon as the, you know, wine fest started. I had read that it takes seven weeks to break a habit. So I was like, okay, I could do this for seven weeks. But then I read that's a lot of hooey. So really, I just like skipped the whole timeline idea. I just tried to stay aware. And at some point, I started to feel differently a little more positive, but also more content. And then I started to notice that I was more grateful. When you're not complaining about whatever, you start to recognize or develop an appreciation. Turns out that connecting to that appreciation, to gratitude, is very, very good for you. I just read an article called Five Reasons Giving Thanks Can Improve Your Life. Of course I did, because I'm on some kind of quest to find the key to happiness. I'll let you know if I find it. In the meantime, the article started out by saying that there's a lot of psychological research to link what they call gratitude exercises, increasing your happiness and health and overall well-being. They cited a study where a group of students who had trouble sleeping wrote in a gratitude journal for 15 minutes a night before going to sleep, and in only a week, the students reported that their minds were quieter and their sleep was better. There you go. Or this one where some couples kept nightly diaries jotting down the nice things they either did for their squeeze or their squeeze had done for them. And of course, the couples reported feeling closer to their partners and happier with the relationship than they had before the study started. 
So writing is good. Expressing thanks to someone who deserves it is also a really nice thing to do and good for you, oddly. You can leave a note to your mailman or mailwoman, write to a teacher who impacted your life or the woman at the library who always helps you. It's nice for them, but the bonus is how good it'll make you feel. That also holds true for acts of kindness on any scale. Did you hear about the school cafeteria worker in Virginia who spends the first 45 minutes of her day with a magic marker writing inspirational messages like, dream big, never give up, be yourself, laughter heals hurt, on bananas? (laughs) Yeah, well, she started out doing it for her daughters, and she's now doing it for her elementary school students. And it's catching on. They say the parents who are packing lunches are starting to write their own messages on their own bananas for their own children, sending them to school. And thanks to the photo that was tweeted out by the school principal, the Dole Fruit Company delivered 540 bananas to the school, one for every student. I think they were like blank slates. And in thanks to the internet, I'm sure now more parents will be doing it. I know I would if I still had kids in school. And if you're crazy about the idea of bananas as a communication tool, then how about a Bluetooth banana phone? If you got $40 and shipping, it can be yours. Yeah, that's the latest uh, catalog I just got. Chock full of gift ideas that nobody needs or wants, fitting neatly into the gotta get them something category, like scotch-infused chopsticks, which kind of seems like you could make it yourself if you thought this was a good idea. How about a 45-second omelet maker? Given that it's a stoneware bowl that you fill with egg and put in the microwave, I really don't think you need to spend $25 for the idea. Who do you know who would like those little green army men? Only these guys, instead of being down on one knee aiming at the enemy or armed and trekking through the battlefield, are all in yoga poses. Now that's the kind of gift that gets unwrapped, politely chuckled at, and then stuffed in a closet destined for a future yard sale. There's a build-your-own-robot kit, but then what? For the musician, how about a a folding travel cigar? No, not cigar, guitar. How (laughs) folding travel cigar is not a bad idea. I'm sure you can find one of those on the internet. A folding travel guitar. There's a personalized doormat that is either an amplifier or a record album. Actually, it's just a picture of it, but you get the idea. For the germaphobe, how about a smartphone sanitizer? because you don't have enough to worry about. For the new parent's baby, they've got taco booties, which look exactly like you imagine. You stuff their tiny feet right into the little fabric shell alongside the cotton cheese and tomatoes. (laughs) It would be funny to put together a book of things people don't need, or we could call it For Your Future Yard Sale. Fill it with all the nutty, useless, ironic, sometimes funny, but not for long things that are out there for sale. What's interesting is how that same wide category holds some things that have made somebody millions of dollars. Think about it. Ever hear of the pet rock? It was a phenomenon in its time. It was a rock about the size of a small fist in a small box with air holes as though the rock had to breathe. They sold a bazillion of them. How about Chia Pets? (laughs) Really, not quite as useless, but definitely odd. How about Sea Monkeys? My daughter Megan bought me a sea monkey kit, a little sea monkey container that had built-in magnifying glass so you could see them. They're that tiny. And then they die. Maybe that's the kind of pet you could buy for your puppy-wanting kid if you're really mean. You know, well, let's see if you can take care of these sea monkeys first. 
knowing they come with an expiration date. But you're not that cruel, are you? Just let your kid have a dog, for God's sake. Dogs are good for kids. Didn't you ever see the movie My Dog Skip? Of course, I could never see that movie again. I cried so hard at the end. I just read a book about a dog, or what I thought was a book about a dog, but really it turned out to be about a woman who had a dog. I would say I was tricked, but the truth is I loved the book. By the second chapter, I was already feeling bad knowing it would eventually end. That's a sign of a good book. It's called Good Karma. Karma's the dog. And it's by the author Christina Kelly. And it turns out that this is Christina's first novel. And this is what I really loved. In the author's notes at the end, she describes how the book came to be. She says it started out as the story of a slightly off-kilter pet psychic. After a couple pages, a kind-hearted widower appeared followed by a younger woman who likes to break into houses. Christina said she didn't even set out to have a dog in the book, but her own dog was kept clamoring to play while she was writing, and therefore Karma the dog came to life. And finally, a woman, shy at first, who eventually spoke up and became the main character. Because sometimes you might be doing the writing, but the book knows what it wants to be, whether you want it to be that or not. Good thing to know. So, good karma. It's a good book. There's a new show on Netflix starring Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin called The Kaminsky Method. Michael Douglas is Kaminsky, an actor and now acting teacher. Alan Arkin is his longtime agent. And like the show Grace and Frankie, a smart and funny show about later in life, and it alternates between poignant and hilarious. Oh, and I finally saw the new updated Queer Eye with a new Fab Five, who I'm happy to say are every bit as fun and endearing as the first Fab Five from the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And let me tell you how relieved I am that it is not just a shameless imitation. And how does that make me feel? I'll tell you how it makes me feel. I feel great. Now you try it. I feel great. I'll talk to you again soon.